Hey everybody, this is Theophilus from TZ Coaching and you're listening to the Noble Father Podcast. Whether you're a dad that stays at home, works from home, or away from home, our roles are essential. To a son, it's an illustration of how life as a man is done, and to a daughter, an example of the type of man to look for in the future. But in either case, a noble father stands firm for what he believes, leads with his actions, and embodies a healthy balance of body, mind, and spirit. He pushes himself hardest and commands his time respectfully because he knows how precious the present is. Join me as we discover what it means to live as a noble father. Hello again to another episode of the Noble Father Podcast. I uh, definitely, um, this is a flow session again. This is where I'm going to just hit record and shoot another episode and so there's going to be a lot of this back and forth and hopefully i don't jump around too much but um cards on the table you know this this episode was a little bit hard to think about you know in terms of what what should i speak about and what am i talking about and you know i've been sitting on it um not just the last two hours uh i've been thinking about you know what what is something that i want to share and as i sit on it i just felt like the topic that's coming up for me is this this premise of your greatest pain becoming your biggest superpower and this is a theme that we see in hmm, all throughout the world right we see this in the entertainment the the movies we watch about the superheroes is their biggest you know sometimes even their biggest weaknesses is is in their 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 pain excuse me um so, you know, update from last week, man, uh, the week was amazing. Uh, there's a lot of that we had the most fathers we've ever had in our meetup and, and we're getting to the point where we're having, having to have discussions about what it looks like moving forward, the sustainability of it. Um, and you know, how do we continue this work? Because it's not something that I want to hold on to forever. It's not a, it's not a torch for me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to remain unattached. And, um, but at the same time, I care about this work so much and about the group so much that I want to keep it pure and intimate. And yet, um, it must be, it must sustain itself. Um, and so there's, there's talk about how do we proceed in terms of, you know, we got running costs, I have, you know, it's my time that I'm also devoting into this. And so, um, you know, on one hand, if we were to cross the bridge and call it a, a nonprofit, then suddenly we have, you know, issues with anyways, each, every, everything has different, um, issues and, and conflicts with it that, um, may not be suitable. And, and so all the decisions that I'm trying to make for the group is really, and the group that I'm talking about is for the noble father group. Um, if you don't know, and you're listening to this podcast, I have a Facebook community with this um, that does a weekly Thursday meetup over Zoom where fathers come together and they meet up and we just share and love and laugh and support one another through, you know, life struggles and also celebrate kind of the role that we're a part of and also recently have been starting to push each other with different challenges. Anyways, if you're interested in that, definitely reach out to me because I'd love to shoot you an invite to that. Uh, we're now three uh, again yes remember to turn off the phone notifications that's podcast uh, lesson number one goodness where was i um 
yeah so the 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 the, the father group i think i was talking about yeah if you're interested in coming to that definitely check it out anyways recently we've been doing challenges and it's just as a way to push each other and to grow one another in you know because a lot of the groups that you see on uh, you know facebook and other communities um and maybe i'm not maybe this isn't something that i can just like widely say about all groups but the groups that i'm a part of they're very loose um nonchalant kind of show up post some memes you know mostly talking about new balance shoes and you know lawn patterns lawn mowing patterns and barbecues and beer and dad jokes and divorce and cheating spouses and custody battles like it's 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 up to it's good up to a point but you know at some point it just becomes like a a dumping ground kind of like a a landfill of everything a hodgepodge of everything and you know this is the thing about social media right is that we we are so connected with technology and yet so disconnected and and the premise of the group was really just to form deeper relationships with other fathers uh, from around the world and the beautiful thing is you realize doesn't matter where they are the struggles are the same the things that are going on in the head are the same the things that are struggle that people are struggling in the heart and in all the different realms spiritually physically emotionally you know socially they're all the same and to be able to find others and to confide in one another it's it's a beautiful space so you know if you're interested in that i'd love to shoot you an invitation to that i have a requirement that people take the meetup, like do the meetup first before they are into the Facebook group. Um, and that really sets the tone for the intimacy, the discussions, and um, and it's just beautiful. Anyways, you know, where did I get this premise of, you know, the biggest pain or biggest trauma becomes your, 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 your superpower? The interesting thing about my life and what I've learned about myself, this was only a revelation that I realized um, end of, or not end of last year, it was probably like in the beginning of this year i was having a conversation with a, a brother of mine gavin i've talked to him talked about him before he's the guy that runs the flow fam session which is kind of like this freestyle space like this safe container that you can go to express yourself and you know he plays music and people sometimes go to freestyle and but then others just like to share from the heart and you know as we were talking about uh and i remember that week being a really really difficult one and i almost gave up and uh you know for whatever reason thought of suicide for the first time in my life um you know we were just talking and as we were talking it was just revealed to me that my biggest superpower is was came about from this pain this pain that i had um growing up and i always reference this in my in my in my posts and if you follow me on facebook or on instagram i talk about this premise of being lost all the time now what do i mean by being lost all the time growing up in so i I'm, i was born in a bible college uh in a town that at the time only had i believe only like three thousand people or something like that um i was one of the first chinese to be born on that in that city in that little town and i was born to parents that were at the bible college and they were studying to be pastors and ministers and and so, you know, I was born into a Christian family and uh, a highly Christian family. And so, you know, at the age of three, you know, mind you, I hadn't gotten used to Canadian life yet. Moved to Venezuela with my family 
And um, so whenever people ask me where did I grow up, I say Venezuela. And this is in Caracas, uh, if you know anything about Venezuela. There's a huge population of Chinese people there. And, and so my parents were called to go there, and so they went. And there was this, like, it was it's a it's a foreign place for sure you know and um racism was one of the things that was really really um prevalent there i guess you could say in castellano which is the spanish dialect that venezuela uses there's a a word for pig that you can't say without saying chinese so for context cochino is the name of the is how you'd call a pig and how you call a Chinese person is a Chino, right? So Chino, Cochino, you know, constantly we'd hear that everywhere we go. And, you know, people like, you know, pulling their eyes so that it's squinty, right? Mind you, I'm a kid. I'm three. I'm three or, you know, I was there until I was 10. So seven years in that. Growing up in Venezuela was a really, really lost time for me. Um, The only community I had was church family. And even growing up in the church as a pastor's kid was a really, really weird journey for me. Um, nobody really taught me how to do it. Nobody, And I couldn't really see anybody around me to learn from. So me and my brother kind of just like blindly fiddled our way through it. Always sensing kind of the church community feeling like we should be these perfect kids. And I guess that's kind of like the noble father thing where it's like dads all over the world face the same thing. It doesn't matter. Church in Venezuela, church in Vancouver, it's all kind of the same thing. Everybody expects the kids to be this perfect little angel and because we're the pastor's kids and we're holier than thou or whatever. We weren't, obviously. Me and my brother were. Uh, we pushed back, I think. That's kind of what caused us to push back. And so, you know, even though we had friends there in Venezuela, they... They didn't really seem to understand what we were going through as kids. Uh, so, you know, at age of 10, came back to, to Canada. And I just want to picture, like, I just want you to picture, I was this dark little kid, um, skin super tan, coming back from Venezuela to Canada. So now that I'm 10 years old, coming back to Canada, you know, I'm, I'm excited to come back. It's home. But in reality, I knew nothing about Canada. Uh, so, you know, I like missed things like pogs and, you know, He-Man or whatever it was that was on TV that, you know, kids at the time would watch. I had no idea, no, nothing about anything. And so, again, it was like a foreigner moving back to, uh, a, a person moving to another country being being foreign again. And, you know, because my dad was so busy and uh, always in prayer meetings and Bible studies and visitations and and connecting with people, you know, he was always out, and, um, you know, I bore the brunt of taking care of my family, my sisters, and my brother, and, and, uh, it it was a really, really lonely time, it wasn't an easy time whatsoever, um, so, you know, I didn't, as pastor's kids, just didn't have anybody really look up to that, you know, I was the oldest child, too, like, what is that, like, what do I, what do I do with that information, um, so, like, even, and then, you know, when coming back to, to, to Canada, to church, you know, the same thing. Just always very lost and not really sure uh, who I was. Um, and then, you know, through high school, same thing. I was, I was very much like a chameleon. I like to tell people I was a chameleon. I was able to be friends with a whole bunch of people, different groups. You know, I didn't I didn't only hang out with, like, you know, the kids, the, 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 the honger kids that played soccer or... Um, 
I say honger because they're like Hong Kongers or like straight Hong Kongers. They don't, uh, you know, great English. They speak Cantonese and, you know, they played soccer. Um, so I played with those kids. You know, I hung out with the jocks. I hung out with the popular kids. I hung out with the uh, not so good kids, right? The ones that smoke and do drugs or whatever. I didn't do any of those things, but I, you know, I hung out with them. And I had a whole bunch of groups. Like I would jump around groups. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, you know, why did I do that? That was probably because I didn't know who I was. My identity was not firm. I was, you know, putting on costumes every single day. Just, oh, what do I, who do I feel like hanging out with today? And then just put that on, go be with them. And, man, I could blend right in. I was really, really good at it. Looking back, I'm, yeah, you just like, it was second nature for me. You know, I could, knew who to, how to talk to people in different groups and, you know, it was, I guess it was just my way of surviving. Um, and so, you know, once I graduated high school, you know, I had, you know, I fought the fallout with the church and I uh, never wanted to go back. Uh, right. I got pushed out. My parents, my dad moved to another church and then, you know, the church that he was previously at where me and my friends, you know, where I had m- most of my friends in my network, um, we kind of stayed behind. And that was kind of where, Um, I decided, I was like, why am I still here? I'm only here for the friends. I'm not here for anything else, Um, you know, to help with them. So I kind of left and kind of that was really when I started on my prodigal son journey. And, uh, you know, it was tiding me over. I was still wanting to be a police officer back in the day. Um, This was when I was 18 till about 23. I think that I had that still had that dream. And so, you know, uh, went to different places, moved to California and and, um, yeah, you know, you still, whenever you don't have your identity, you just, you can be anybody, you can go anywhere and it doesn't really matter. Right. Cause I was so used to already going from church to church or bouncing from country to country or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, so whenever I, be, you know, went back to school for a bit to pursue being a police officer, you know, taking criminal justice, I, um, Halfway through, I was doing security in Vancouver, doing loss prevention, which is, you know, catching shoplifters and uh, writing reports for them. I just wasn't coming to life doing it, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, people that I'd arrested and did all this work on, you know, they would show up again and start, you know, after they've been arrested, show up again and do it again. And, you know, just a never ending cycle. It's just like Vancouver's chronic offenders issues, probably like the same everywhere else in the world. Um. So I, you know, didn't, I, I stopped, I quit. I didn't want to, I, I stopped going to school. I didn't want to do it. And so I kind of amounted to nothing again, just didn't really end up doing much. And my dad at the time was just like, hey, why don't you come with me to China? Come see kind of the work that I'm doing. And I saw it kind of as a vacation, to be honest. Um, and so went to went to China with him a few times. And I was like, you know what? Like, I do want to work with young people. I do want to serve them and you know that's really whenever I kind of solidified that I wasn't gonna be a a police officer anymore and yet somebody called me to go back and finish my schooling because that was important so came back to do it finished it and uh, headed back to China um, and uh, dedicated to living there so I you know uprooted went to China and you know became lost again (laughs) so to speak uh, you know, as I was still kind of on this prodigal son journey, right? Just, uh, living my life, kind of this godless life, let's just say, right? Um, went to China and, you know, I'm, uh, this dark skinned banana, uh, like I like to say it, you know, 
yellow on the outside, white on the inside. And uh, again, was really lost in China. Just uh, I, I, I might look the part, but I had no language abilities. I couldn't speak the local language, which was Putonghua or, or Mandarin, and was lost again. Um, it was really hard to find friends at the beginning. Um, you know, I was trying to get people, trying to uh, lash on to anybody who could speak English. And that's really how I met my wife. And um, so, you know, it was a really lost time for me. It was a, it was a really difficult time for me. But, you know, I, I, I made it work. I, I learned the language really quickly, picked it up. Um, it, it was quite amazing, actually. It was over a span of like two to three years, I picked it up uh, and um, started to really, really get immersed in the language and really came to life. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. The, the work that I was doing was with young people and teaching English and giving people English names and, and running camps and running clubs and, and, and different things. Just having like, uh, just like relationships with people that, uh, you know, wanted to change. And I was working with college students. It really felt like I made an impact, you know, running the English corners for them. Right. Um, because English to Chinese kids is like a huge deal, right. Opens a whole doorway of opportunity for them. And some of my some of my best friends live in in China still, like um, amazing friends who are now, you know, doctors and you know, they're just in all facets of life. It's amazing. Um, but you know, like you know, this premise of being lost there. I used to take foreigners there all the time, and I used to be the not translator, but I guess you could say the guide, right? Uh, my language at that point was, you know, it sufficed. You know, I could I could carry my own, and so you know, take foreigners with me all the time. And, you know, early on, my language definitely was not where it needed to be. And so, you know, kids would come up to interact with the foreigners and they'd be like, look at me and be like, what is he saying? <laughs> and I'd be like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> like I'd have a blank stare on my face too. So, you know, and then they're just like even more confused about who I was. They're like, how come you can't speak our language even though you look like us? And so, you know, I've worn this title of, you know, being lost in, in everything that I did. Um, you know, what caused us to move back from China was that this premise that I couldn't really lead the family if I didn't know the language. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. And so even like menial things like reading a menu, I was not able to, you know, to do it. And so, um, you know, f to be a leader in my family, I had to lead and I couldn't do it there. I just was not thriving. And so we had our first kid. Davian and uh, when he was six months, six or eight months of age, we we moved back to Canada, and um, it was it was an adjustment, right? Definitely an adjustment. Um, but like you know, fast forward to now, right? Is like entrepreneurship, and on this road of you know run you know starting and creating and 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 growing my coaching practice um, to now running these fathers groups for. Uh, you know, fathers all over the world and the, the, the podcasts and, you know, every step along the way, just trying to create what I envision. You know, one of the things I was not really good at, you know, and, and you might relate to this is like, there's some people out there that have photographic memories, but they can also like write and draw. I mean, sorry, they can draw what it is they see in their mind. And I've tried to replicate this in my life and you probably have too. You thought of this wonderful idea and you go to write it and draw it or whatever it is. And then you're like, you just like it doesn't the finished product is not what you thought it was and 
you know, that was, that was the case, you know, is I'm, I'm, I'm slowly trying to modify and to grow and to change and to, to, to optimize as, as I go along. And, you know, I realize that in my life now I am a, I have turned that superpower or oh, no, I've turned that pain, the greatest pain of being lost, being alone, being uh, secluded or, um, you know, into, into a superpower. And, 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 you know, what do I mean by that? So in my work in coaching, I am connecting people to, I like to think connecting people to God, connecting people to all areas of their lives, physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, you know, I, I'm trying to get them to their potential, their maximum potential. And, you know, because I feel like a lot of, you know, I would describe as if you don't have any connection to those things, you're just inherently lost. You are just, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You have no direction. You have no idea, no purpose, no understanding of what your created being is for. Being, I, I understand the, 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 the feeling of being lost and Anybody who has anything that needs solutions, needs connections, I am that person. I Every time somebody tells me something about struggles they're going through or they have a, a goal they want to hit or they have some kind of um, thing they want to accomplish, man, I get so fired up. I get so invested. I feel like I can make a difference in that person's life and i'll go to the ends of the earth to find the connections they need the person that they um, can learn from or can can you know extract that little piece that will get them to where they're looking to go and and if i'm able to do that man like to be able to give them you know ideas or perspective on what it is they're facing so that they're not just wandering around in the dark um and, and, th and that, that was true for, you know, a couple of people. You know, one of them even said, hey, like I found that you really just helped me tether to God and, and to understand my place in this world. And that is so beautiful and reassuring to hear. Um, and it has become this superpower because, you know, every part of me, everything that I've experienced is something that I utilize in my daily experience, like through life is... I am, I am maximizing every part of myself. And that's what I love to speak about with the people that I help is what are these unique value, you know, unique, what is the unique value you bring? Like what makes you stand out? Because to me, man, I stuck out like a sore thumb. And, and you know, I, I went so long trying to like pretend like that side of me was something that I should suppress and should not um, utilize or had no, that served no purpose. At least I assumed it as it served no purpose. But now that as I'm, as I'm going about life, I'm just like, man, like this, doing this is super fulfilling and being able to maximize every quirk, every weird nook that I have in my being to serve somebody, to help somebody is incredibly rewarding and satisfying and, and and it's not merely that it's just it just makes me feel good it actually works you know i i i i 
value being heard myself. And so my listening ability is incredibly honed in. And so, you know, the art of being a coach is really to facilitate a space for somebody to find deep revelation and insight. And it requires me to sometimes just like shut up, sit down and shut up and just listen and not have any, you know, quips or any smart thing to say or inject advice every, you know, after every period, you know, to just sit, listen and just hold this, the space for the person. And this was something that I realized when I was growing up was that people would always come to me and, and talk openly to me. Um, and, and it's, and I've seen this recently too, with, you know, certain people is that they, they, they'll tell me, Hey, like, I've never seen that person talk to you, uh, like or talk to anybody that much before. And I'm not talking like somebody who I've developed a relationship with over years and years and years. These are people who just want to have a conversation. They just want to open up and they just talk about anything. Um, and, and I think maybe that's why the father's group, the meetup was so our first one. We had nine people and like, I, I just, I just held the space, man. There's really nothing special about the format or you know you might be like trying to find whatever that secret sauce is there there wasn't anything it was just an organic space to really just share and to be yourself and it was incredible because the the things that were shared the tears that were shed like and and also people were like you know disclaimer hey like uh i don't i don't think i've ever told anybody this or i don't typically share like this or not even typically i don't share like this at all with anybody I don't know why I feel moved to talk about this, but here it is. And they just like give it all like, and, and that blew me away. And like, it, it, it might not sound like something special or anything, but now that I think about it, even now as I'm recording that, that goes through technology, it went through zoom and the feeling of being able to be heard, the empathy that was in that space, the emotional intelligence of everybody in that context was so it just created a perfect environment for somebody to share openly without fear of being judged unconditionally it was so so beautiful um and and and, you know that that's the premise of the 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 superpower is i want you to think about your own life is like what have you endured like what have you suffered that somebody else out there who is lost in the same predicament is looking for somebody like you to understand them or to listen to them or to just hold them. Um, there's, there's billions of people. There's, there's hundreds, thousands of people who need to hear your story because your story motivates them to push on, to you are the light at the end of somebody else's tunnel. You are their hope. I never found that in my life growing up. You know, I never found anybody really that could understand what I was going through, uh, the way that I was going through. Um, And like, it would have, 
there's there's great divine purpose right god i think god really intended for me to endure what i endured so that i'm able to be doing what i'm currently doing and that's why i want you to think about it in your own life too because fathers you guys are you're the leader of the next generation your children who you have been given to lead and to preside over and to set an example to in your own life they are the next generation they are part of the world my children will be a part of and they will lead the generation after that and so it's especially important for us to learn how to do that in our own lives is to capitalize on what makes us special and unique what we can bring to the world that only we can bring to the world so that they can do the same thing you can't just hope that they figure it out themselves on their own terms or even just like telling them that they are unique we need to be able to show them and that's the beauty of this work is that you know i i don't i don't merely say what i say i also have to do and walk the way that i walk uh, you know one of the things that i've i've really enjoyed about this fatherhood journey and and the entrepreneurial journey is that i've really married the two is there are times where it does get really difficult and running a business is uh, is is and trying to stay afloat is not easy and then to juggle that with fatherhood is uh is another cake you know it's a uh, it's it's hard um but at every turn every time i feel like giving up i think i need to set the example not just for my kids actually it's for the fathers that i talk to is that i need to live that life and experience that hardship or else i will not be able to help anybody with their hardship that is actually coaching level like coaching lesson number one is that you need to walk the walk you need to swallow your own medicine and this whole journey has been this this experiencing of swallowing my own medicine um so every everything from financing uh, finances and marketing and messaging and you know business technique and strategy and even just coaching technique and you know there's a lot and I've always been the type to just dive straight in. I'm an all-in person, and that's also kind of this this superpower that is dedicated and focused to what I said I'm going to do, and not um, not not taking like an easy or cheap way out, um, and really leading with the heart. And so I want you to really find the time and the space to really sit and to think about your life what is it that you have suffered what is it that you have experienced in your life that if you could marry it all together with your passions with your purpose with your desires with what the world needs um, you could have the recipe for an amazing amount of success and not just success for the sake of success but like the intrinsic success that I was talking about, like the type I where you're enjoying the work just because you love doing it, enjoying it for the sake of doing it and not just for some, you know, reward at, that's at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, is that you're enjoying it because you love to serve and you love to give the best parts of yourself away 
and you're learning to perfect and learning to you know sharpen yourself every single day make yourself sharper every day and that that's that's the that's where i come to life and that's where fathers come to life too i've seen it already we're in that space really to sharpen one another and one of the quotes that i always go back to is this one by jack baker i need to find it for you here because it is such a beautiful quote and it really serves as the premise for what the noble father group is 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 really all about um, so give me one second here so this quote is by jack baker the quote goes every dad if he takes time out of his busy life to reflect upon his fatherhood can learn ways to become an even better dad and that just sits really well with me is that i want you to sit and just really take the time out of your life that's why these habits and also with the you know the sewing episode that i had the the what you re, you know you reap what you sow is that if we want to have a form change we must have a, a habit change and so what we sow is what we reap and so if you have a busy life and you don't take the time out to reflect on your fatherhood or your 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 role as a father or your role as a husband you're not going to you're essentially going to go around in circles. You're not going to find ways to improve. You're not going to see what areas you need improvement in. You're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. This premise of being lost is very interesting. In, And they've done studies. They've dropped random people in different places, strapped them with the GPS that they can't use, and just kind of see how they you know, navigate, how they walk around. So in the absence of a sun or a moon to guide them in a straight line, typically people will walk in a big circle. And the diameter of these circles, if you um, had a, you know, you had no guide and you're just walking, you know, with your vision, you'd, the diameter would be like 200 to 300 meters in diameter. So you'd be walking in, you know, quite a big circle. If you were blindfolded, you couldn't walk. And you could walk and you were, you know, in this unknown place, the diameter would turn into 10 to 60 meter diameter circle. And so we're walking around in circles constantly. We'll, we'll circle back to a, you know, actually, who said that? I need to, I need to pull that up. Somebody really just, uh, um, so one of the rules of life, four rules of life, I believe that's, uh, from, by Jordan Peterson. Rule four is lessons in life are repeated until learned. And that's literally the, the, the premise of a circle. So we just keep coming back to it. We just keep coming back to it. And actually, this is especially true in our spiritual walk, spiritual walk with, with God is that he'll bring us things for us to encounter and face. And we, we inevitably, we fall off. We don't go through it. We avoid it out of fear. And eventually it comes back. Oh, wow, this is beautiful because, okay, so I need to tell a story. So this premise of lessons in life are repeated until learned. I need to tell a story because this is going to make you understand. I, this literally just came to me. So I'm going to talk about, this is going to be a vulnerable kind of share because uh, this is definitely something that I don't enjoy talking about. <clears throat> and this happened this, this past week. So our finances in the family is managed by me and uh, let's just say I'm not very mathematical I, I don't I definitely don't look the part right I mean I, I should have I should know my math really really well 
you know, surprise, I'm not. <laughs> Anyways, jokes aside, I've really messed up. I slipped. You know, I um, we had a a large sum of money that was gifted to us as a family, um, and I've squ- I squandered some of it. You know, I made some missteps and definitely regretted it. And so every time I open up my bank account or whenever I look into our investments, I I I shudder. I get really, really ashamed and with fear. And so it's definitely not a conversation that I like having with my wife or with anybody for that matter. Um, and this this week it really came to a head. We, you know, a friend of mine, you know, proposed that we have a conversation with, um, you know, somebody that it was knowledgeable in that regard. And I just, I just didn't enjoy that. You know, I, I, I don't like that leading up to it. Conversation went, it was well, it was, it was amazing. It was a good conversation. And, um, you know, these are one of those things that kept coming back. It's just like, oh, finances need to be put in, in order. Like, well, what should we do about it? Oh, and then I, I freeze, you know. My, my thing is like, I see it, it becomes too much, and I don't know which avenue to take, and then I forget about it, or I neglect it, or I push it under the rug consciously, and then suddenly it's, you know, it, it grows. It becomes a bigger problem, and then later on you circle back around, and then you're, you know, repeated until learned, right? interesting thing is I had a friend who actually two years ago sent me an email about hey I have this financial planner you should totally get in touch with him and uh, you know have this conversation with him because he's helping us and it's been amazing I pulled that email up and you know I got on the phone right away this time got on the phone right away I was hey can we schedule a time to you know get our things in order and as I got off the phone my wife is looking at this email she sees the date that's on there it's like that was two years ago like, how come you didn't do anything? Like, why are you, why, you know, deservedly, I was in the wrong. And that's the thing, is that this lesson in life became so big. It was such a big deal, like, and it was not easy digging up my information, finding everything that they needed and putting it on the, you know, data collection sheet. And, and it's just like, think about it. The main lesson in, 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 in finances is you learn that starting early, starting young allows you to compound your growth so i wasted two years another two years had i known that whenever we had that lump sum of money to start right away making the right choices and finding the right people to connect instead of thinking that i was able to do it i would have learned that lesson and this is really what life is all about is that we are faced with these things all the time one of my clients he had a consultation with me and he didn't feel like it was a good worthy investment a few months went by and then suddenly he felt that his life was even worse than it was before and the one thing that he thought about was that this that what was the inflection point what was the point that really could have turned everything around and he thought of our conversation which was so beautiful and i don't mean to say that i am the solution to everything absolutely not but i want you to think about your life critically here is like what areas in life are you you, you find yourself constantly facing over and over again. They just keep cropping up and you just, you're like, why are we here still? Like, why am I still here? And, and that's the journey that I've been on really is like, there are things where sometimes I'm, you know, in my, I want you to picture this spiritually, like, like, I mean, in imagery, but in my spiritual walk with God, with Jesus, let's just say that I'm walking with him. We're, we're, we're together shoulder to shoulder as we're walking Suddenly, I find myself by myself, and I'm walking by myself. I'm like, why? Where, where are you? Like, why are you not? 
who are you? And I turn around and look, and he's at this mile marker that's like waiting for me to fix this problem. You have this issue, bud. Like, how come you kept walking? I, I didn't tell you to keep walking. I needed you to face this thing. And that's been my life. And this is really the journey of, of life in, 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 in any kind of walk is that we have to face these things before we can progress to the next thing. This is just like, you know, if you've ever played like World of Warcraft or any kind of video game, it's like you can't, you can't bypass a certain challenge. Like if you can't beat this mob or this monster, you're not beating the next one. And I've heard a wonderful story being told about this before. It's like, you know, one of our friends, uh, he, you know, his kid is playing this video game, gets really frustrated, really, really fed up. And he just kind of, you know, you can say essentially gave up and just runs to dad. And, dad, you know, it's like, hey, dad, can you help us beat this? This is super, super difficult. Like, I can't pass it. And on one hand, you're like, mm, you know, obviously you're all prideful. And you're like, yeah, I can beat it for him. Like, it's easy. Like, watch me show off. But on the other hand, it's like, if we help them beat this boss, they're not going to be able to progress in the game. You're not going to be able to finish the game like you'd want to. Then essentially the dad would play the rest of the game because he just, the kid needs to know and needs to learn how to beat that level or beat that boss before they can move on to the next thing. That is the joy of the game. The fun of the game is in the struggle to beat the things along the way in order to make it to beat the last boss. And so that's what life is really about. It's it, it. We need to face those things head on. Interesting story somebody told, uh, once posted on actually on their on their Instagram is you know uh, on their Facebook was that you know bison whenever they see a storm they go right through it. That's the easiest way to get through a storm is to go through the eye of the storm and out the other end because hey storms going one way you're going the other. You pass each other faster when you're going opposite directions. It's going to walk past you behind you and you're going to walk straight through it. Whereas if we try to avoid it and we start to walk away from the, the storm, the storm inevitably is going to catch up to you. And then it's going to seem like it's forever because that thing just doesn't seem to go away. And I see this all the time in, you know, a lot of lives of other people around me is that they're in the storm and they have so much things that just keep falling apart things that keep going like wrong and worse and we're trying to avoid it but you know it's, it's we're walking with the storm now wherever the storm is going we're walking with the storm no wonder we don't get out we go in a circle endlessly and keep coming back to the same marker and saying hey this looks familiar why am i still here We need to change it. We need to alter the course. We need to find that guide. We need to find the sun. We need to find the moon. We need to find the guidance. We need to find where it is we're going. And it has to start from the inside. So I've circled from greatest pain becoming your greatest superpower to now talking about full circle, about life and needing to face up to what it is that is in our way. I, I, I never would have imagined that this episode would unfold the way that it did. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, what, what happened this week? And then amazingly, as I was going through it, you know, yeah, this great lesson about you just need to face it. Guys, we need to stop avoiding 
those topics. We need to stop avoiding the problems that are plaguing us as fathers, in our families, in our work. We need to, we need to face it in work. If you're not coming to life doing it and it's not allowing you to be the father that you want to be or the husband that you want to be, you need to do something about it. If there's something that you're not owning up to or that you need to face head on, it's time to do it. Because the more you let it sit and foster, the more of a foothold you're giving the devil to break apart everything to destroy everything it's just like when you do renovations around the house and i used to do windows and doors and one of the things whenever you open you know take out the old window and you look inside and you see the wood it's like rotten and then you take apart the wood and then the the, the water has seeped in deeper to the drywall or whatever and it's invasive it's incredible because sometimes on the inside the drywall is perfectly fine but on the inside the insulation is rotten the the out the the wood is rotten the the um what are they called the studs are rotten like it just it's invasive it gets to everything else and just because we don't see it on the inside we think that it's okay but in reality the house is like it's it, the inside is rotting it's coming apart and we need to we need to pull back the layers we need to go deeper we need to dig deeper one of the craziest things about coaching is this and i got i got wonderful coaching friends who always pinpoint these things for me they will always call it out it's like hey why did you verbalize it that way how come you said that you didn't do a good job or why did you say that oh it's no big deal like why do you seem why are you putting yourself down for a, a job well done and, and and that's the thing is that when we dig deeper catch yourself the things that you're saying actually explains a lot it will actually tell you a lot more about yourself yeah why do yeah why did i say that i was selfish in that in that in that instance or why did i say that i was um not nice in that situation what what was it about that like why you got a clue into that dig into that pull on that thread and that's what the beauty of coaching is is we're we're taking this idea or this information that we have about ourselves and we're unraveling more of it deepening our understanding of it yeah, why did I react to that person that way? Why was I angry to that person? Interesting thing. Again, another story. Yesterday, we went to, uh, we spent the day in uh, an outlet, an, an outlet which is like a factory outlet where they sell you know bunch of bunch of stuff, and it's really close to the, the Vancouver airport. And we're supposed to pick up my dad um, from the airport at around seven thirty p.m. And man, the outlet was packed. Like I, I don't. I'm never, I don't, I don't think I'll ever go back there on a Sunday. It was ridiculous. Anyways, we were there and, you know, people everywhere. I mean, we went into this A&W. My kids wanted a snack. A&W is kind of this fast food chain we had out here that they, they make really good root beers. And, man, it's so packed that they can't even clean the restaurant. There's, like, food everywhere on the floor. There's, like, garbage everywhere. It's just, like, it's just like chaos. It's hectic. Me and my family, me and my two kids, we sat down on the table and we had three tables. We had three chairs at our little table and it's like up against the wall and it's like only supposed to be like two chairs, anything. Anyways, behind us, a, a lady sits down and she, you know, claims, you know, claims the table and there's two seats on that one. And, and so she sits down and she's waiting for her boyfriend to order or whatever. And so boyfriend orders the food, comes over and apparently what had happened was there was another table that's on the, like on behind her not behind her, but like 
you know, next to theirs that turned their chair and faced it towards their table. And the girl at the table was like, hey, that like he, the guy took the chair and just turned it around. And, and so the boyfriend goes to, you know, take the chair and to flip it around. And he's like, hey, this is our chair. And he turns it around. And as he's turning it around, the guy gets really angry. The one, the guy on the, the, the one that's sitting there that turned the chair, gets really angry, just grabs the chair and just like, don't touch my chair. And, you know, tempers start to flare and they get at each other and they start yelling at one another. And oh, I'm trying to remember why I was started telling the story. Anyways, I'll just tell the rest of it. Hopefully it comes back to me. You know, they just got really, really angry at one another. And it was like, there's, like, why do we have to react? I, I understand. I remember why I said it. Like, why do we have to react that way? These two guys that are out with their wives or their girlfriends enjoying their space with one another and a chair can cause that. And, and the rest of the story was that, you know, because I was sitting on the third chair, technically it wasn't my fault because the table before me had the three chairs and we... And I, I just sat on it and I, I didn't do anything. So, you know, as I was reading and I was hearing them kind of causing this, this fuss, I was like, well, you know, how hard is it for me to get up and, you know, take my daughter, put her on my lap and give them the seat. Um, and I'm not trying to say that I got up on my high horse or whatever here. I'm just saying there's no re there's no reason if those two guys were present with one another, they would try to find a solution or something that would at least be amicable rather than trying to tear each other's head off. I mean, yes, we're complete strangers, but, it, you know, we we have the choice to change how we face these things. What What is it that is most present in that, in that moment? Is it worth anybody's time to fight over a chair in an A&W? Probably not. And, and these are kind of the things that we, as human beings, can, can think about is if we, if we want to change that result, can change the way we think about it the perspective of it why do we say or do certain things whenever you know things happen like why do we why do we do that avoid that how can we avoid that how can we break that instead of saying that guy has an issue why did he take my chair is to think about myself it's like why am i getting upset about this oh the guy got really angry and thrashed the chair back he's like don't touch my chair instead of getting angry we can be like Let's try to understand this person. What is going on with him? How come he's like this? Now, I'm not. The, I'm not. A, I'm not the perfect candidate to talk about this. There are going to be times where sometimes, like, and actually, when it when it comes to driving, I'm like that. I'm like, why is this idiot doing this? Or look at this dumbass. Like, I, you know, I'll I'll say stuff like that. You know, I'm I'm just as imperfect as as everybody else. But being present, I'm slowly catching myself. Is understanding why do I think that way? And not letting circumstances change the way that we live our lives. So I really want to stop there because like we're 50 minutes in. And I think this is the first episode to break 50. Um, I think that I've encapsulated a lot here. And I hope that this is wonderful information for you. In future episodes, I'm thinking about bringing on guests. And how I want to envision and how I want to do these podcasts where I bring on guests is really just like a series of questions. And through the questions, we talk about things about, you know, I want to, one thing is I want to ask people about their dads. I really want to understand their journey as fathers, but also the journey of their fathers before them. If they ever, you know, 
learn anything from them or you know was there something that stood out you know different questions I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that and if you are interested to be guest uh, I'm thinking of having some of the fathers from the group itself to be the guest on here um, also maybe one time have my son on here maybe whenever it's right whenever it's time um, he's ready for those kind of conversations where he can verbally talk about things without too much silence in between um, I really think that this is going to be this I have great visions for this podcast and I, I'm not going to speak about all of them right now, but I am looking to be, you know, to have guests on this podcast. So if you are interested in any way to be a podcast guest, please let me know. It's really just going to be a conversation where we organically talk about fatherhood and what are things that are coming up and, you know, advice that you could probably give um, and grow together that way because, you know, I want the podcast to be organic, just like the meetups are organic, just like the group is organic and everything like life is organic and so i want to encourage you continue to live life and be a father nobly is to live from the inside out and if there's anything in this episode that you have any questions about or you have um you want to make changes in your life and you would like to seek a, a, the support of somebody please reach out to me i'd love to answer some of your questions and at the very least direct you because i may not be a good fit and maybe there's resources i can send you uh, there's different things that we can do to get you started on your journey as long as you lean into it and live fully. And so um, the group meetup, if you're interested in that, definitely reach out. And uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And until next week, bye. Please show your support for the Noble Father podcast by recommending the podcast to your family and friends. You can also subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And also, if you know a father who is interested in a regular meetup every week where they can show up authentically and share the best parts of themselves, some of the struggles they're going through, some of the wins that they have, and even some lessons to bless other fathers with, and um, also have them in our Facebook community. Um, just a bunch of men who genuinely care about one another and just share space and hold it for one another. Thank you very much for listening to the Noble Father podcast. Until next time, bye for now. Mm-hmm.